It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we're doing our mailbag, which means today, Joe and I give you our list of free agents. And how many guys did we end up on the list, Joe? We ended up with 74 before you added a handful. So I, I think we're around 80 players total of guys we would target in free agency, which is probably 78 more than the Bengals will come away with. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I've never done a list of Bengals free agent targets this exhaustively before. Have you? No, I've done like, here's five guys I would like them to, and here's some tape and yada, yada, things I should do probably for the athletic, but I did not. Um, I've done that before, but no, I've never, we put value, we put number into this. We did a lot of research. This, uh, if you stuck with us throughout all these podcasts since January, then, you know, we went through every single team and picked out some players we liked and looked at some stats and numbers and, everything else that would involve that player signing and free agency. Yeah, maybe the last pass we take at this is, is this a guy we think the Bengals will pursue? Yep. Maybe that's yeah. the last the last column, the last thing we add to it. So that we'll talk about in this episode. But there's a bunch of interesting things happening around the NFL. Pro days, Drake Kirkpatrick offering stuff up out of his locker. Yeah. So we'll, let, let's talk about those news items and then we'll get into some free agent stuff. So let's start today by talking about Drake Kirkpatrick's cryptic, not very cryptic, maybe Instagram post has a picture of his locker up there and says, anybody want anything out of my locker? Could just be a sign that he has been told he will be released by the Bengals, which would save $9 million or it could be a sign that he's just there cleaning out his locker between years. Yeah. And I think fans would welcome this release, not only to save some money and have the opportunity to go out and maybe spend that in free agency. But his career, and especially late, um, has been looked at as maybe a disappointment. Uh, I think it mostly because of penalties, missed tackles. It's the big negatives. I, I made the case when we talked about him last time that he's actually been a really good cover corner. It's just the lack of big plays in a positive way. And it seemed as though opposing offenses would target Drake Kirkpatrick on third downs. And I think that just became a headache and a way too easy way to attack this defense. It was, I think, a lot of the penalties. And he's on the wrong side of a few running back highlight reels, a few Steeler highlight reels, and that's always going to rub Bengals fans the wrong way. So if Drake Kirkpatrick is on his way out, he had a good run in Cincinnati. He was a starting cornerback for many years. Marvin Lewis certainly favored him. 
and defended him for for many of those years as well. But you're right. He he did have penalty issues. He had tackling issues. He was never going to be a very big contributor in the run game. And he was one of those guys. We've said it before. He's always in the hip pocket of the receiver, but just didn't have the ball skills, didn't have the wherewithal to turn his head, find the ball, make a play. And if he did, well, he probably would have gotten paid more and we wouldn't be having this conversation. This is true. 61 missed tackles, 41 penalties over his career, and then you have 20 touchdowns given up, 10 interceptions only. It seemed like he was in a lot of tight coverage. And like you said, and we, we've mentioned this whenever we talked about any type of cornerback prospect in this draft in previous years, too. If you don't have the ball skills, if you're not comfortable when the ball is in the air, finding it, locating it, tracking it, and then ultimately making a play on it while the receiver tries to fight through you to catch that ball, uh, you're not going to be a good corner. You may survive. Actually, for having the ball skills he has or lack thereof, Drake Kirkpatrick probably had the best of a career as he possibly could. If he was a better tackler, we'd probably look at him um, much differently. But again, they only gave him $12 million when they originally re-signed him in 2017. And that was also part of the frustration, I think, from fans, is that he was getting 9 to $10 million a year, and they let Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler walk that same free agent year. It's one of those things when we talk about the way Mike Brown spends money is much more important than the amount of money he spends. Speaking of cornerback and transitioning to pro days here a little bit, have you heard of a guy named Madre Harper? He's a cornerback from Southern Illinois, and they're just producing athletes. This must be athlete you. He put up a 99th percentile RAS relative athletic score with a 44140 today. And incredible jumps. He jumped 40 inches, which is 94th percentile for corners, and had an over 11-foot broad, which is 99th percentile for corners. So some really explosive numbers. But the Bengals weren't at the Southern Illinois Pro Day, as far as we know. At least they weren't reported to be there, but they have attended quite a few Pro Days that have been reported. Yes, they were at Oklahoma, and that was Zach Taylor, which usually when a head coach goes, he's looking at a big prospect. Don't know who he'd be looking at there as... They're probably not interested in Jalen Hurts and won't be in position for CeeDee Lamb. But they were also at Marshall, Arkansas, Northwestern, UAB, and the University of Miami. Zach Taylor was the only head coach, apparently, to go to the Oklahoma Pro Day. I don't know if it's coronavirus scares or if there were just other places for head coaches to be today. Mike Mayock was there from the Raiders, their general manager and former Dallas head coach Jason Garrett, who's now with the Giants. That's right. Offense coordinator with the Giants. Was also in attendance at the Pro Day. So you would think that, yeah, he would be there to look at a quarterback, being that's what Zach Taylor's background is. But Neville Gallimore, who's another guy who's in the range for the Bengals at 33, did redo his agility test and did his jumps for the first time and jumped pretty well, bringing his relative athletic score to the 71st percentile. And a final note, the quarterback coach, James Urban, former Bengals coach for the Steelers, the quarterback's coach, was there at Oklahoma's Pro Day. So think about Jalen Hurts maybe in Pittsburgh. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And while you stop thinking about Pittsburgh, let's take a look at the Arkansas Razorback Pro Day where a couple guys did some very interesting things. The first one, defensive tackle TJ Smith, who had a 91st percentile relative athletic score on the strength of really good agility, really good explosion, and really good speed. So across the board, a very good athlete. Haven't really heard that name yet. Wasn't invited to the combine. So these are all the first time we're seeing these numbers at his pro day. And Joe, do you have his productivity? Yeah, Yeah, it's not good at all. I mean, we're talking about like uh, five and a half tackles for loss at best and two and a half sacks. He had one and a half, one sack in another uh, two years. So not much for him on the production side. That's definitely why he's not on the radar. Yeah, so there's a late round flyer potentially for somebody who wants a a ball of clay at defensive tackle. Southern Illinois, though, like I said, athlete U has a tight end, Nigel Kilby, six, seven and a half, 254 pounds. Ran a 4.68, which is 84th percentile for tight ends. Jumped pretty well. Has a 9.9 relative athletic score. And the other tight end that was really interesting today was Chase Harrell out of Arkansas. 6.3, 264. Incredibly dense man. Ran a 4.540. Had a broad jump of over 10 feet. Had a vert of 36 inches at 264, 6.3. Really good agility testing, too. Had a 676 three-cone, which is 98th percentile. I mean, that's a crazy athlete for a guy that's 264 pounds. That's unbelievable, actually. I'd love to just – I'm like, that's – when you see things like that, I want to put on the tape right away and say, okay, who is this guy? Because if you're looking for, you know, George Kittle, right, and how does that guy go in the fifth round? He was a superb athlete, and he may not have had the production. So you want to – Right off the bat, if you don't have time to watch a lot of prospects in the next month and a half, go start with the list of these extreme athletes and just mow through them and find out which ones can play or can't play. It's easy because a lot of them can't play, and that's why you never heard of them. But the ones that can, put a star on them right away and say, all right, that's my guy. But before we go too far, speaking of Southern Illinois and having um, a few really standout performances at their pro day, do you can you remember a couple – Bengals, obscure, very obscure. They drafted somebody out of Southern Illinois. And then there was another linebacker that I think people liked for a little bit. And he had a couple splashes, but that never panned out. Do you remember? Was there a Fair. safety? Uh, no, he could have played safety, but he didn't make the team. The guy they drafted in the sixth round, and this oh. was like 2013, maybe? Mm. White guy? Nope. All right, then nope. I have no idea. I'm thinking of like Ethan Hawk, and and uh, I, I don't think I'm close. Ethan Hawk, the actor. Yeah, I think uh, you're not close on no, that. It, Ethan w- Ethan Kilmer. Yeah, that was Penn State, though, wasn't it? Wait, yeah, I mean, it wasn't Southern Illinois, probably. No. So it was Corey Lindsay. Oh yeah, we don't remember. And the other one was Jason Demach. Remember oh, that name? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. with a Y, Jason. Yeah, I remember that. Once well, as I saw it, I was like, hey, yeah, I remember that I, guy. Undrafted. Yeah, and he had a decent few splashes in preseason. I think people were like, well, maybe he can stick, and he ended up never doing anything. I don't think my hosts are ever that high. Real quick, touching on Neville Gallimore's pro day because he did some drills. I mentioned earlier he did a short shuttle, improved that time by about three-tenths of a second, which would bring him up to be about average there, I believe. And then he jumped today, and he had 89th percentile broad jump, 70th percentile vertical jump. So brings his RAS up to above average, if you trust the pro day numbers. And this year, I'm putting a little bit more stock into the pro day. What do you make of this performance from Neville Gallimore? 
Well, it's good because we didn't have to jump numbers at all at the combine. He just completely skipped them, and I don't know why he did because he tested pretty well, um, 70th percentile, 89th percentile, or 90th percentile uh, in both of those. So that's a good thing. If anything, he should have skipped the agility drills. It's He's an interesting case, and he's a good discussion topic and what to do with these numbers because when you put on the tape of Gallimore, he's a penetrating D-tackle. He makes a lot of splash plays. He jumps off the film as being an athlete. He tests just as a above-average athlete. I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have just blazed everything out there and came away as an elite athlete, right, Jake, by what we saw in film. And then he yeah. doesn't look good at all in the agility stuff, like bottom of the barrel agility testing. But when you put him on, one of the first things we noticed, and we both said it when we watched him together, look look how agile he is. Look at him cut that corner and chase mm-hmm. that uh, quarterback down. And so that's surprising to me. It's one of those things where people say, well, what do I do with the, the measurements? And you hear a lot of scouts or coaches or whatever, they say they want to go double check with the film. Well, the agility scores are so poor here, and they're like, okay, let's go back and look at the film. That's not there. That's now, fine. if I would have had questions about him, his agility and change of direction, and then he tested poor, now you're not you're not supposed to count it twice, right? You're not supposed to say, well, he tested poor, plus he looks like it. Well, you, that's already, that should already be factored into your grade. For Gallimore, though, it's like I, I go back to tape still after seeing this, and I go, no. He looks agile. I don't know why he tested poor in these. I'm going to go – I'm gonna. there's some guys you have to take a leap of faith on. And if he was just at least average – and we can even ask MathBomb this if he could type it in and see what it would give us. If he was just at least average testing in, in agility, I bet he gets up into an elite range as, as an athlete. And that's more of what I expected out of Gallimore. And we don't actually need MathBomb to do it either because he's kind enough to make this stuff public. And you can download the RES program and put in your own numbers. So if if we put in an average three-cone time for Gallimore and we use his Pro Day short shuttle, his agility comes out to be average. And then his RES comes out to be, what, 85th, 86th percentile. But he's not quite there on the three-cone. So just using the scores that we have, he's a 79th percentile athlete, which you could see. But his agility looks good on tape. His change of direction looks good. He, he, he seems to have the flexibility. So I, I'm not worried about his athleticism. And he still is in play for me at 33. I would not be disappointed. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. I think there's other guys I have ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because I, I, I did want a little bit more production out of Neville Gallimore. It's just in the okay range. Um, so, you know, again, so we've got testing in the okay. We've got production in the okay. The tape's really fun. Uh I'd still think we're going to get that at that pick and we're going to say there's four or five other guys we like yeah. more. I think if we were sitting at 40, right. then you're like, all right, yeah, Neville Gallimore, that'd be that'd be it. Because we like these guys, right? We like these guys in the Geno Atkins mold that have the natural leverage. He's just 6'2", that have the speed. He ran a 4.79. Yep. That's a lot of speed. That's a lot of speed to power kind of stuff there. So let's talk about free agents. There are a lot of good interior defensive linemen and free agent this year, and that might be why we're not considering Neville Gallimore really at all at 33 by the time we get there. So let's take a look at our free agents here in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you asked earlier to open the show how many players we have on this list, 
And the final number is 83, as you, last guy you added here, Greg the Leg Zerline, kicker from the Rams, which I find is interesting because, uh, yeah, I want a kicker that can kick over 55 yards, and Greg the Leg definitely can do that. So before we go too far, I want to talk about the process, what we did, and even though you've, if you've listened to all the episodes, we shouldn't assume you did. We went through each team. We looked at the list of available upcoming free agents. We did not take off guys that have been franchise tagged yet because, well, the tag deadline got pushed back, and that kind of ruined our plan. So those guys are still on. The guys like Chris Jones and uh, Justin Simmons, they're still on this list as guys we would target. And what we did is we took everything into account. Basically, their age, their production, how good of a fit do we think we'd be, the domino effect, right, of of signing that guy and what it does um, for the other players around him. So if you go out and sign an Anthony Harris at safety, what does that do? How does that help your team when you already feel like you have two veteran safeties on the roster? And then the other part is um, the value, and that's the big one for us. So we got this list and compiled it. Jake and I both went through and tried to put in a, a, a value one through four, one meaning first wave these are the elite free agent prospects. You better start negotiating with these guys in the open, opening 48-hour tampering period, right? You better be in contact with them because they're going to sign very quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if half of the guys we have li- uh, listed as a number one are gone before free agency even officially opens if they don't have deals already somewhere, right? Uh, and then number two is like second wave. Okay, that wave's gone. You start rolling into that second wave, and these are um, still really good cornerstone pieces and not to the point of like Byron Jones is a cornerstone corner number one guy that you would sign, give 15 million, maybe 18, 20 million to. These are guys like Logan Ryan, who I think the Bengals could target and say, okay, you are our other starting corner. You're a number two guy. You're a key piece to the to the machine here to go where they want to be. And then number wave three guys are the bulk of where the Bengals are going to play more than likely. And where I think a lot of teams find their value, that's the John Miller signings. The Bengals have played in the, in the tier three um, a lot. And, and that's where I expect their signings to come from. And tier four guys, we're interested in maybe first round former busts, guys like maybe Eric Flowers, Eli Apple, uh, that still have a little bit of talent to them that should be sitting around. And if they're not, that's okay. That's the other part of it, right, Jake, is valuing where the contract is. If Nick Kwiatkowski ends up going tier one and then the first week of free agency, well, that's more than I'm willing to stomach, and I just let him go for that. Yeah, I am with you there. So this was a fun little project. We have a few differences of opinion. There's some guys I didn't bother even giving – values for because I don't think the Bengals will even consider being in on them. And that's some of the guys that are going to get franchised is part of why I did it that way. But let's, uh, let's go through the tier one guys and maybe we'll talk about some of the ones that we think the Bengals might actually target, which is probably none. Right. Because like you said, these guys, and even some of the tier two guys probably have deals before free agency officially opens. Yeah, that's right. And on the, the number one list, like Jake said, some of these guys, most of them, I think, are going to get franchise tagged. But there are a few that probably won't. Byron Jones being the first on our list. Uh, and this isn't ranked in order, but kind of. Byron Jones will probably be my number one guy, too, because he's a corner, premium position, still at a young age, and he has ball skills. He's All, all the things that uh, get me excited, Byron Jones has in spades. And I think he's probably going to get paid like crazy and way out of the Bengals' range. But keep, to keep going, Eric Armstead, who's a... Defensive end in a 3-4 defense. I ranked him because Bengals seem to have interest in those type of guys right now. Um, we'll have to see how that ends up playing 
playing if that's just Derek Wolf, who we have weighed on this list. But Javon Hargrave, DJ Reader, very similar. Some nose tackles uh, experience, some DN experience in a 3-4. Same with Chris Jones. It doesn't matter. These guys are interior pass rushers at the end of the, of the day. J.D. Van Clowney, Corey Littleton, who's the guy we both would love to see. Uh, Joe Tooney, we'd both love to see that. Graham Glasgow at guard, Brandon Scherf at guard. Jack Conklin at tackle, and then we've got some safeties here in Anthony Harris, HaHa Clinton-Dix, and Justin Simmons. For me, that rounds out my Tier 1. You added Anthony Costanzo, the tackle from the Colts, which is fine with me, but he's just a little bit older, so I didn't put him in that tier. He is older, but I've learned my lesson from Andrew Whitworth. If the guy can play, he can play in his 30s, right? So if if he's still playing in the NFL, he's an immediate upgrade at right tackle and could be that for you for a few years. And if Fred Johnson needs another year to develop, maybe you only get him for two years and you have Fred Johnson there and you keep Fred Johnson around and then he might be ready to actually come in and play if he's as good as, as you think he could be. He might be ready now. Uh, we're not really, I, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket though when I put Costanzo as a tier one guy. I actually did rank the top few guys though. And Byron Jones is also my number one guy. In terms of priority, in terms of positional value, in terms of talent, he's the number one guy that I go chase here because I'm not in for the money for Jadavion Clowney. I'm not in for, well, Chris Jones is going to get franchised. I would be in for the money probably for Chris Jones, but uh, I'm in for uh, Joe Tooney and Graham Glasgow, second and third. Mm -hmm. Just solidify the guard position with either of those two guys. Then I go to Hargrave and Reeder, two guys that I think are really, really good, uh, kind of give you the backfill for Geno Atkins, make that need less pressing, and then can play with Atkins really well in the immediate future. And then I go to Anthony Harris, who's probably one of the best few safeties in the league, just because at that point it's so overwhelmingly good that you have to be interested at that point. Yeah. And then Corey Littleton, who's low on this list, and you might expect, and that's just because of the positional value of linebacker, and Jack Conklin, Anthony Costanzo rounding it out because I just, uh, unless they cut Bobby Hart, which I don't think they're going to do, I, I I can't really get behind spending a lot more money at tackle. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And that's one of the other reasons why I, I knocked Costanzo down the tier two. But if, speaking of tier two, and maybe this is where the Bengals actually go and get someone, right? I don't think you and I, and listen, if you're in that group that's expecting the Bengals to go out and get Corey Littleton, because I get questions daily about him or Grant Glasgow or Joe Tooney, don't expect it, right? We should not expect that even in the slightest that they're going to be going after those guys. They're going to make way too much money, money that the Bengals have typically not spent. Now, if they do, though, I'm saying if they do, we will be excited and we'll be you know, having a good time. And they'll shut a lot of people up if they went and got out and signed one of those guys. But the tier two guys are where we got to look. I think that they will make an effort with Graham Glasgow. Really? I do. I think that would be a tier one guy that they would bring in because we both have him at tier one. And if they could bring him in, man, that would be a a big haul. I, I, I I believe the smoke. I, I, and uh, Hey, if I'm wrong about this, whatever, I'm not going to have fun for the next week until free agency opens, if I can't believe that they're going to try for at least one of these guys, because we've heard it from from people at the combine, we've heard it from Jeff Hobson, it's been drilled into my head at this point that they are going to try for top-end free agents, not the Chris Joneses of the world, and, and not the Byron Joneses of the world, which for me at guard means not Joe Tooney, not Brandon Scherf, but Graham Glasgow, especially with his brother being on the team, is something I could see them doing. Yeah, and let's say we had to pick one tier one guy 
that is most likely, then I'd be with you. Yeah. On Graham Glasgow. But I would also say like, well, maybe DJ Reader, maybe, maybe Anthony Reader. Costanzo, maybe Ha Clinton Dix, right? Because none of those uh, guys should get crazy money. Clinton Dix got, um, yeah, should get around fifteen million guaranteed if he's in the range yeah. of what they expect on OverTheCap.com. I remember looking at that. And, um, and the other one I would say would be Hargrave because of the familiarity, and and a lot of times you see teams sign guys that they know. Sure, and they should because he's so good. He's um, very good. So let's go, drop down to tier okay, two then. Okay. And I think we could pick maybe two or three guys from tier two. That's how I feel. I feel like no tier one. But if you want to pick three guys out of tier two, I don't think we're talking crazy. If we're if you're saying you're going to be active in free agency, this is where you want to at least play in. Because we only have, what, um, 14 guys listed as tier one. So every team can't get one of those guys. Tier two is where you're, the next best is going to be. And we'll, for me, it started with Anthony Costanza, but we talked about him. Well, I've got Logan Ryan and Chris Harris at corner. Brian Poole at corner. So three corners right off the bat. Uh, Poole being the worst of those, but also being the youngest, right, and coming off a decent year. I, I actually wouldn't be mad at Poole at all. He's more of a tier three, maybe verging on tier three. But I compared it in my mind when I put a two on Poole that he's probably very c- comparable to Darquez Denard. And I think Denard should be as viewed as a top slot corner if he wants to actually play mm-hmm. slot corner. And he would probably be a tier two guy if he would ever commit to it. Uh, continuing, we got Jerron Reed, Leonard Williams, and Quentin Jefferson as tier two guys. Uh, that's interior defensive linemen, DNs, and a 3-4 type thing. Then we get some linebackers. we got Joe Schobert, which I think some people may be surprised that we have him at tier two. Uh, Blake Martinez, Kyle Van Noy, which Van Noy scares me a little bit of those three. I'd probably have him as this goes, Schobert, Martinez, and then Van Noy. And then for me, I've got a, a guy a little bit higher than you do. i got Quentin Spain, the guard from the Bills, formerly of the Titans also. I really like Spain on tape, and I've liked him since West Virginia. And then Brian Bulaga, the tackle from the Packers. Rounds yeah. off our tier two. And I, I would actually really like Brian Bulaga. I think that that would be a tackle that is going to be in their price. He's a little bit older, but he's still not He's, he's not as old as Anthony Costanzo. And mm-hmm. he's been rock solid. So I, I would I would enjoy that one. Quentin Spain, though, for me, I, I just I, I think it's a Buffalo thing for you. He, he's And he's just like the other Buffalo guard the Bengals just signed to me, John Miller. He doesn't move the needle for me at all. I, I don't think even... Maybe he starts at left guard if he's the only new lineman that they bring in. But I think that Michael Jordan probably starts at left guard. And every time they talk about competition, it's at right guard. So you're going to sign another Buffalo guard to replace the Buffalo guard you just signed? I mean, he spent four years in Tennessee and then got a one-year deal from the Bills. Okay. Uh, so maybe he is a tier three at best guy because of pedigree. I mean, that speaks, you know, right there. I think so. And for me, Jaron Reed is, is just, uh, he didn't really repeat the, the promise that he showed previously in Seattle. He had the suspension at the beginning of the year. So for me, it knocks the value down a little bit, but I want to talk about Brian Poole because I would rather have Brian Poole at this point than Chris Harris, because I'm not sure if Chris Harris lost his juice because he was outside or if he's lost his juice because of his age. Right. And I feel similarly about Logan Ryan, like, both with him and Harris, uh, yeah. may, it, there's potential that their best days are behind them. Anytime you go for the guy that's 30, 31, uh, Brian Poole's 27, you just feel much more comfortable getting the extra four years out of a guy that we liked last year and wish the Bengals would have yeah. signed. Well, and, right? I mean, we were, we were when they were looking at the guys, they weren't sure on Dark Western Art at the time. Yeah. They weren't. We didn't have BW Webb on the roster. We were like, they need a nickel guy that can help defend the run and be a little versatile. They brought him Brian Poole, and we read that off and looked at his, his um, some highlights and looked at his stats. We said, yeah, okay, Brian Poole, that works for me. Uh, it didn't. It doesn't erase the 
need of a nose or a um, nickel corner, but he had a solid year with the Jets and showed his value. And I think he's going to get a lot more money or more interest than he did last year. In a secondary that was a disaster, he was good. And, and so I think that says something. Yeah, I, 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 I just push back because I don't think we were very excited about it last year. We were just kind of like, if they, if they replaced Denard, this would be fine. This would be a lateral move. Yeah, and that's, I think, at the time. Well, okay, so if they were replaced Denard with Poole again, we'd probably feel it's a I, lateral move again. Yeah, but it's a better lateral, better lateral move now because Denard had a better year. Well, they both had good years. They both elevated and had good right. years, and they elevated from. They both went from tier three to potentially tier two yeah. guys. So it's still a wash of a move, right? Well, but but now that's okay with me because if it's a tier two guy, I'm fine with replacing him with a tier two guy. Uh, I'm not okay with replacing a tier three with a tier three. You know, we haven't discussed this, and I think that's a fantastic point by you. I don't want to replace a tier three with a three because that's an opportunity to upgrade that you're failing to upgrade and, at, right? And that's how I feel about Quentin Spain. <laughs> fine, that is a uh, fine way to bring it up. So if you had but, to pick now, go up to if you unless you got something else to say, but when you after you do pick three guys from the tier two list. Well, let's talk about the linebackers for a second here, because I okay. think this is going to probably be the most interesting position to a lot of our listeners that are like, I can't watch these linebackers anymore. Right. Right. So I, I ordered this as uh, Joe Schobert is probably the top priority out of this group. I agree with that. I, I would have Van Noy ahead of Martinez because I and this is a concern for for both Martinez and Schobert, actually. I just am not sure their athleticism is going to play for what we want in, in the next guy that's going to go in there beside Jermaine Pratt. And and Van Noy, I think Lou Anarumo would absolutely love Kyle Van Noy. My concern with Van Noy, not only coming from the Patriots, where that's they seem to make one. everyone better, yeah. um, he, he played mostly edge for them. And yeah. so who do I want to take off the field? You know, I'm going to get Hubbard. worse as a pass rusher if I'm taking him off the field. If I'm putting Van Noy in and taking... It would Hubbard. have to be Hubbard, but I don't want Hubbard as an edge rusher when it comes down to it anyways. I want it to be Lawson and Dunlap. Well, you you, you put Dunlap at five. and, and So Hubbard put, just comes off the field. Hubbard comes off the field on, on passing downs. Which, and you're, you're going to spend $10 million to do that. Uh, it's a, he's a better pass rusher. People are really high on Sam Hubbard, though, so maybe maybe I just need to get my hand, my head around the fact that they're going to pay t- Sam Hubbard $10 million a year here in a couple of years and I don't want to pay eight more million dollars to get two more sacks and five more pressures. Do you know what I'm saying? But he's a chess piece too, right? So, so maybe, maybe because he has the athleticism to to cover a little bit. You're not wrong. He and he can do more. He does a lot in that multiple front for the for the the, the uh, Patriots will be a three four and then a four three and then whatever they want. In the to same be. play. On different oh, yeah. sides of the different halves of the defense, they do crazy right. shit. I mean, that mean Kyle Van Noy's got to be a smart guy, right? Like if he if he's if he's out there executing a Patriots defense, Lou Anarumo is has got creative. Matt Minnick pointed this out extensively. Got really creative at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think he would really enjoy Kyle Van Noy as a chess piece. I that's fair enough. Um, I would just hope if they're going to pick out of these, it's Joe Schobert. And I don't even love Joe Schobert. I just think for our options uh. here, and you. You'll see, like, I think it's funny, in Tier 1, we only have a couple offensive linemen. In Tier 2, we only have a couple offensive linemen. It's just, it's not there, and I don't think the Bengals are going to force it either. And then for linebacker, it just keeps pointing that, like, there's a lot of depth at D-tackle, not so much at linebacker. If you're not going to go get one of these guys, you better go on to the next tier, which is in Tier 3. We've got a few linebackers there that I think make sense. 
and and it's funny to me because and let's just talk about the linebackers in tier three now because it's a, it's an interesting list. Josh Bynes, who I thought you were going to have as a four for sure, the way you talked about him all year, you have as a three, and I end up as a four because he was a street free agent last year. I think the Ravens probably retain him. I thought I put him as a four. I'll be honest. You thought you put him as okay. There you go. Devondre Campbell, who's a guy who started the year really hot in Atlanta. He he's a decent athlete, and. I, I early in the year I was like, give me Devondre Campbell, Joe Schobert, Blake Martinez, or or Corey Littleton next year, and then the mm-hmm. year went on, and then now it's really just like, yeah, give me Corey Littleton or bust. But then I look down at the guys that I think will be a little bit cheaper, and I have Nick Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre Lewis, the two Bears linebackers, in tier two, because I'd be willing to pay a little bit more, and I'm rolling the dice with the younger guys. Although again, I mean, athleticism is a concern for a lot of the linebacker free agents this year for me. Yeah, and those two are decent athletes, especially Kevin Pierre-Lewis. He's a a pretty good athlete. But the hard part with there is neither has been a full-time starter for a full season. So, you know, you are taking a bit of a risk, a roll of the dice. And you are anyways with all of these guys. Either you're taking a risk that their good play has been limited or that their poor play has been all year. So Devondre Campbell is a signing of the Preston Brown ilk, right? Yeah, he can play every down for you, but is that a good thing? Do you actually want him out there? So that's where you end up getting. David Mayo is an interesting one. He's still young enough, played really good run defense. Yeah, one-dimensional. Yeah, and that's what, there's a few guys listed here that I, I think could be that one-dimensional piece or at least number three type linebacker that's going to play maybe 500 snaps for you over the course of the year. And I think that's Nigel Bradham and yeah. Camille Grugier Hill. I'm spelling it. I'm saying his name wrong. Um, but he, when I've watched him and he, he had some injuries, but he's the one who replaced uh, Jordan Hicks in, in Philadelphia. How do I say his name? He, I don't know. Gooch- man. I'm not even going to try, but, but let's, Grugier, let's, I believe. Let's Hill. pick our let's pick our two guys from tier two real quick. I, I'm gonna say oh, yeah. the the realistic uh, Quentin Jefferson, who we haven't talked about at all, yeah, would be a fun interior defensive line target in my opinion. That's gonna be a little bit cheaper than Jaron Reed and Leonard Williams mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Poole would be would be the two because I just can't bring myself to pay the money for these linebackers that I think they're gonna earn. Yeah, I can see Brian Poole in a lot of ways because they were interested last year too. Yeah. Um, other than Brian Poole. Man, I would really like the idea of Jefferson, the way he kicked the Bengals' ass, yeah. made a mark in my head. <laughs> you know, That's why uh, I'm there. Yeah, Tier 2 is not very exciting. If they went and got Leonard Williams for me, from from the Jets to the Giants, Leonard Williams, I think that would be a great move. He's still only 25 years old, yeah. former top 10 pick. Still, even in his worst year, is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would be all for that. And then, you know, obviously if they were to get – one of the linebackers i would have mixed resi- mixed feelings about paying those guys all eight to twelve million dollars based on that's probably what they're going to get um because i don't think they're worth that but the linebackers need is such a dire thing and and i think brian bulaga would be pretty exciting because i think he'd slot in right away at right tackle and be an instant upgrade and, and then i think they cut bobby hart and roll with fred fred johnson how nice does that sound? So you're really only spending, what, $3 million more million to go from Bobby Hart to Brian Bulaga? When you put it that way, it's just, come on. No-brainer, right? It's a fucking no I mean, I'm, I'm cussing now. I'm fired up. Let's get to the <laughs> Tier 3 guys real quick. Let's pick a few of these. We know they have a visit with Derek Wolf. Uh, Derek Wolf clearly, like, he was almost a 4 for me. Because he's clearly behind Shelby Harris, who we also have as a 3. And maybe that's because Shelby Harris should probably be a 2. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but... 
you know, I could see it either way. And then Derek Watt, that'd be a fun one for me. I think that'd be fun. Derek Watt, who we have, the fullback. Fullback. Yeah. Yeah, I also like the corners in this tier because I think you can get some decent play. You go go out from Trey Waynes from the Vikings, James Bradbury from the Panthers, Anthony Brown from the Cowboys, who has been a spot starter but has been decent when I've watched him. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, who's a nickel guy from the Vikings, I think could be a decent replacement for uh, – for Darquez Denard, and then you've got Ronald Darby, who has had good years but have been marred with injury. I think he's still wave three type guy. If he's still there, we're not talking about a lot of money. These guys are at corner, probably getting what Darquez Denard got last year, yeah. which I think is where I want to pay one of those corners if I'm expecting him to be quote unquote starter in my nickel package. Darby is like a post hype, prove it deal guy that I would love for the Bengals to get on a one year, $7 million deal or something like that. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And there's some offensive linemen down here, I think, where the Bengals could definitely play if they want to have competition with John Miller and or Michael Jordan. And that's Wes Schweitzer from the Falcons, who PFF said the Bengals should um, sign. Joe Hag, Andrews Pete, Eric Flowers, and Darrell Williams. You know who I did not put on here and I meant to? And I think we talked about him and then I just must have skipped over him. Uh, Kendall Fuller, the nickel corner from the Chiefs. Where would you slot him real fast? Would he be a two? He's, he's only 25. Yeah, he's probably two because of his age. I think and that's he, someone that they could go after. He plays outside, right? He did because they have Tyron Matthew and the right. guy they drafted who did a lot of that um, stuff. So they, by necessity, he should be inside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I never thought I would be excited for the idea of Andrews, Peter, Eric Flowers, but they were they were solid at guard. Mm-hmm. It's just like, that's not, like, I don't want to replace a three with a three. And, and this year, John Miller's probably a four. So maybe you're replacing a four with a three. And at least that's better than a three with a three. But I just have a hard time getting excited about any of these other guys in tier three. Although, uh, Greg Zerline for me is a three. Also a three for you. And Brashad Perriman is a guy that I would pay third wave money to and take a shot at an outside receiver. Uh, just because I think he... He really turned it on a little bit this year uh, down in Tampa. Yeah, one other guy for me that's a tier three at safety. Two other guys, actually. Actually, no, scratch all that. Three of them. I put them on here for a reason. Um, Carl Joseph from the Raiders. It'd be fun to add another hard-hitting 25-year-old Von Bell, who was formerly of Ohio State. Doesn't get his hands on the ball at all. But in four years, he's played about 1,000 snaps every single year for the Saints. Uh, and he's a free agent. And he's 25, 26. So, that would be interesting. And if he's two, if he's wave three, let's go at safety. J. Ron Curse is the other guy. He replaced um, their safety in Minnesota. White guy. Help me, Jake. And, no, the good one. Oh, Harrison. Harrison Smith. Yes. And uh, Curse was a lot of fun. There's a fun video on the internet, on Twitter, of the Broncos attacking Curse on their final drive as they need a touchdown to win the game. And they target him like six times, and he comes away with a pass breakup each time. Yeah, the more I look at this list, sorry to non-secretor away from your your safety talk. I have a hard time getting excited about a free agent safety that's not one of the guys in our tier one, though. Um, but the more I look at our list here, man, you're, it's just every time you look, the defensive tackles look better and better. Because we're down here in our tier three, and we have Danny Shelton. We have yeah, Tyler he's... Davison, who is not a big name, but would be a really, I think, would be a solid Quality. signing. Uh, from the Falcons. And then even in the tier four guys, cause we have the, the older guys that have not a whole lot left in the tank down here in, in tier four and maybe tier three, but Gerald McCoy, Marcel Darius, Damon Harrison, mm. Al mm. Woods. 
Yeah, Adam Goetzis, Hassan Ridgeway, and uh, yeah, I would take those guys as shots in the dark because they've had decent production in their young careers. They've had some injuries and that have knocked them back a little bit. But um, we're talking tier four, and tier four should be the guys for like Eli Apple, where if he's yeah. still there, fine, I'm into it. I'm into AJ McCarron if he's still out there and can't find a backup deal. Uh, Stephon Anthony. Former first round pick. Same yeah. with uh, Darren Lee and Reggie Raglan, right? I, they're still there in tier four, wave four, and we're here, and it's uh, you know mid April right before yeah. the draft. Yeah, I, I'm down. I guess so. Uh, but Marcel Darius and Gerald McCoy, I yeah. think those are two really interesting ones because I think they have a little bit left. They're not going to be what they once were, but they're still going to be, I think, solid for a couple of years. And McCoy didn't make all that much last year. The Bengals had interest. He's a free agent again, so. Some interesting names. That is all the guys. Joe, closing thoughts. Yeah, we will update this as they sign, huh? Let's eliminate guys as they get tagged or signed, and that way we can see, hey, who's still there in week three of free agency? Hey, we got, we got two tier two guys here, Jake. Let's uh, let's talk about them or see if the Bengals bring them in for visits. Most likely tier two guys to be there in tier three. Quentin Jefferson, Quentin Spain. All the Quintons. The Quintons. Those poor Quint- Brian Poole maybe too, actually. Sure. But I think he'll yep. probably get snapped up a little bit quicker than he did last year. So tomorrow we have our mailbag. And then uh, free agency opens. And we'll see if they cancel the draft. I-, I hope that if you bought tickets to Vegas, you guys got travel insurance. Because, well, I'm just going to stay, stay healthy. And we'll leave it there. Until tomorrow, Bengals fans, get ready to get those questions in. Have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.